This week on The Other Kind Radio, $4,000 guilt-free breakup, lost pot, plus psychic equals high times, and Todd and I take a look at Lovecraft Country. here in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to the podcast known as The Other Kind Radio. The Other Kind Talk Radio. Today is August 18th and this is episode 96. The Other Kind The Other Kind Radio is a weekly podcast in which Todd and Jeff ping pong around all things pop culture and deliver to you the kind listener. My name is Jeff. I'm one of your hosts. Todd will be on shortly. We hope you're having a good week. The other kind. Even though on a weekly basis, that seems to get more and more difficult to do with everything going on. But we hope you're safe practicing your uh, social distancing and uh, working on whatever hobby that the rest of us are all working on, trying to eat up some time here during the pandemic. Uh, as always, we recur- as as always, we encourage all of our listeners to like, subscribe to the Other Kind Radio. By doing so, you're helping feed the algorithm that keeps the podcast universe spinning and our show in its gravitational pull. This episode of the Other Kind Radio is brought to you by Pub One Three Four. Pub One Three Four is located in Maple Village, at 90th and Maple, right here in Omaha. It's on the northeast corner of 90th and Maple. Nick and his talented team of bartenders are there to help. Take care of you, whether you're going to stay in and have a uh, socially distanced drink or pick up something to take home. They're still doing their uh, Wednesday Bags League, which I saw on Instagram. I think there's a $1,000 grand prize in these, this league. Now, I don't know if anybody new can sign up, but that kind of money is going to attract some good talent. So, Wednesday night, Bags League. Thursday night, karaoke. And for the second show in a row, this week's password, go in and and say this word to the bartender and you'll get half off your first drink. This week's word is random. Random. Once again, thanks to Pub134 for being a sponsor. Make sure you go and check it out and tell the crew we say hi. Sorry, I had to take a drink. Now let's welcome my podcast partner. He is a family generator, film school graduate, movie gu- movie maker, guitar and drum player, drum author, author dive bar boombox founder, and all-around renaissance man, live from his studios in the great state of Texas, and delivering the pop culture significance of the number 96. Please welcome Todd. 96 episodes. Well, 95 in the books. This is the 96. So let's look at 96. It is a natural number following 95 and preceding 97, which we all know, but things of relevance for pop culture. The Saab 96, a car, was produced from 1960 to 1966. The class of 96 was a short-lived Fox drama 
which aired in 1993. In the year 1996, Prince Charles and Diana, I guess Prince Charles and Princess Diana, excuse me, Princess of Wales, they got divorced in 1996. The uh, Nintendo releases their gaming system, the Nintendo 64. There you go. Hit Britain in 96. Yeah, I knew you'd like the, the uh, Nintendo part. Um, let's see what else of significance DVDs launched in Japan in 1996. I found that a little odd. I thought that was a little later than I expected. Right. In the 12 months that encompassed the year of 1996, the number of internet host computers went from 1 million to 10 million just in a 12 month period. <sighs> yeah. Let's see. Java programming language is released in 1996. The number one search engine. Do you we, you want to take a guess what the number one search engine in 1996 was? So I know there was like Ask Jeeves, and what were some of the other ones? Google obviously I think wasn't around just yet. Um, what was the other one? Ask Jeeves. It was I don't know. GeoFinder. I can't remember that far back. Believe it or not, you got it on your first guess. Ask Jeeves was the number one search engine wow. at that time. And I remember that. I thought, I even then, I thought, well, that's kind of a clever, you know, hey, it's my little personal yeah. manservant telling me what I need to know. It's clever, but it's, I'm not even curious. I'm not even certain if Ask Jesus is still around. I'm typing it in right now. Awesome. You can tell us that. It, it's um, now ask.com. Is it really? Je Je Jeeves got fired. He didn't do such a good job. <laughs> right. In further things, Jeff, like Duke Nukem 3D shareware was released to the public. Did you play Duke Nukem? Of course I did. I knew you did. My favorite quote that he says is, I'm here to kick ass and chew bubble gum, and I'm all out of gum. Was that him? That was, well, it wasn't that. Yeah, he said that. Well, he said it in the game. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if he was the originator or not. I think that was from a John Carpenter movie. They live uh, with Roddy Piper or whatever. I uh, thought that was it, man. Anyway, uh, top musicians of 1996. This will make Jeff Jeff happy. It's his favorite girl group. The Spice Girls were the number one song of the year with Wannabe. We also <laughs> had Madonna, Rage Against the Machine, The Wallflower, Shell Crow, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Smashing Pumpkins, man, just Lenny Kravitz, Foo Fighters, people that are actually still around to this day. Top films of that year. Let's see. I'm going to save my favorite of these for the last. Independence Day was the top film. You had Twister, you had The Nutty Professor, The Birdcage, A Time to Kill. But of these that they list, my favorite, and I still think any man that ever says, oh, I hate romantic comedies, I tell them, well, go watch this. And that is the film by Cameron Crowe, Jerry Maguire. A great, great example of how you can have romantic comedies, but they're also bro romantic comedies at the same time. It's not just the relationship between him and Renee Zellweger. It's him and uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. Go watch it. Great movie. It is a good movie. Cameron Crowe. Yeah. Also, also uh, bouncing off of your uh, significance of 96, um, did you see that Elizabeth, I think it's Debicki, De is, is going to be cast as Princess Diana on The Crown, which is on Netflix. I guess for the last two seasons, she's going to be on there? Yeah. Th originally, there was only going to be that season five, and she's going to be in there, but it has proved to be such a hit, and that is both critically and viewer-wise, that they decided to extend it one more season. Yeah, I saw that she was cast in that, and 
here's the weird thing about it. You, you look at him, you're like, well, she doesn't look like Diana, but a lot of these people don't look exactly like them. It's just that they're able to evoke some of it. However, whoever that dude was, they cast as Prince Charles in that last season. <laughs> Holy crap, did he nail Prince Charles? My God. Uh, also, was it there was one other thing? Oh, uh, just to follow up to uh, ask what a ask.com. I guess I'm 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 acclimated to Google.com, but I just that is to me that is such a give up. Ask I mean to go for Ask Jeeves, which like you said was the number one search engine. Now it's just Ask, and it's turned into uh, a little bit like uh, some other search engines uh, that you and I are aware of. Where, where now it's just news stories. Um, I look at it myself. Not really anything, but wow, Ask. I just think that that's still the exact same ask logo (laughs) and also could they have a this i I, look i yes i work for an internet company that is of the same ilk this type thing could their page be a little more boring right it's just very white with yeah i don't know and again why why keep it uh why keep it going um but there they go money somehow because they're still around i don't i wonder if they're privately held or not that, that boy now we're there we go <laughs> and radio gets into stock trading <laughs> welcome to financial talks uh shares of ask down um so the first thing i brought up uh on the the preview of the show was something that i heard about on uh npr's podcast that i listened to called wait wait don't tell me um and i've tried and when I say I've tried, I've given it a, a good, good old other kind radio try to find a specific story on this. But it seems to have been what, what they reported on was kind of just a summation of a number of stories. But here, here's the deal. There are services, some of them in, in, mainly in Japan, that if you want to break up with your significant other, here's what they do. They stalk in a kind way your significant other on social media get to know your significant other then they make contact and woo and wow them into some type of relationship with them so that you can break up with them from the guys that they are doing something nefarious uh you know it was also reported that they will then date after you've broken up with his significant other, they will then date this person for a short period of time before breaking up with them. All for the all for the very round amount of four thousand dollars. And I'm sorry, I almost stepped on the punchline of that. I, I'm so incredibly confused that I, you know, obviously seeing the show, show notes, I knew where the punchline was going. Right, right. Hey, it, who would do this now i will say this that were i to break up with my significant other after 26 years of marriage four years of dating and probably be another six months in there so we'll say 31 years almost together it would cost me more than four thousand dollars in um however who would be this stupid to say oh i'm really sick of her shit right um, i'm gonna pay you four thousand dollars to do all this weird nefarious crap when I could just go, I can't do this anymore for free. It does seem to be a long, a long walk for a short, for short stick, so to speak, 
in the sense yeah. that yeah you should just break up with them and just doing a search on google for breakup services i'm seeing thirty dollars i'm seeing five hundred dollars <laughs> maybe this is uh this is a business that we should have uh i don't know maybe we should ask jeeves well, it's funny you say that because I just went to ask.com when you search Google and I put in breakup services, going through a breakup 24 seven help from breakup experts. <laughs> You're just going to try to talk you out of throwing out. Right. Your oh, oh my God. But what if we had, what, what is that old fable where the guy sells his watch to buy his wife a brush for her long hair and she cuts her hair? What yeah. is that? Gift of the Magi. Yeah. So what if you like, like, one night you just have this moment of honesty between two people and you both are excited because you've met somebody else and then you realize that you've both engaged in this service to break up your relationship and both have found somebody else and have started to date them i think we're starting to step on the realm of tennet there I was about to say, I think we just came up with our next screenplay idea. That's almost kind of genius. Jeff already knows how much I hate social media and those kind of things. But the right. gift of being that you do this and you meet somebody online who you think is somebody else, but it's that person. That's at least a good short film. Speaking of Tennet, it's been released now. Overseas, right? Yeah. Uh, and they're talking about it coming to uh, the U.S. Um and, and, and why they well i guess they have to but the, the the latest story i saw was tenet will only be shown in theaters that have a mask rule yeah uh, I, are there any other kind of theaters that are open right now i i don't believe so um i'm looking on a variety right now uh it was supposed to be august 12th and now it's, it looks like it may be pushed back into um, September. Is it just me or or is this even, I mean, are you gonna go? Are you gonna go see it in the theater or is this something that's gonna sit on a shelf for a while? I mean, I guess we have an obligation to the other kind of radio listeners, but. I wondered about that because um, uh, AMC theaters, who I use their, I forget what it's called, their ticket stub service where I pay and I get so many. Movies. Right. They sent something not long ago saying they're reopening and talking about, you know, all these different things they're going to do. And I even thought at that time, I thought when Tenet comes out, am I going to rush out? Because I have a weird relationship with Chris Nolan, who I think he's a fascinating filmmaker, but I just don't get excited for his movies because sometimes I feel a little worn out after I see his movies. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> so... And, and the weird thing is I look through my digital movie collection and I own so many of his films because he's so interesting. I don't know, Jeff. I don't know if I don't wait until I add it to that collection. I, I'm not that excited about it. I, it, I, I, I heard someone say with Lin Manuel Miranda, and I thought he was so off the mark when he said it. Uh, this is when Hamilton came out on Disney Plus. He's like, yeah, it's a fantastic piece of of art, but I'm excited to see with his theater chops what he can do when he's not rapping. I don't agree with that because I mean, hell, if that's what your your medium is, then right do it but you know grow every time but i feel that way sometimes with chris nolan because every film messes with its time continuum and i i feel like okay it's almost like m night Shyamalan gets knocked around for having twist endings well why doesn't chris nolan get knocked around for having time flip-flops so i i see this and i think oh here we go again we're gonna mess around with time 
And, and and I realized, I think it was Warner Brothers that put, what, $200 million down for this film? And and again, being the, being the film in the film economic, you know, uh, neophyte, doesn't that start to run out? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking like, like if it was you and me and I was like, we, we have to do something. I, I wonder how strong the ar- argument would be to just release it kind of like this, the, which I made me giggle earlier this week, uh, the king of Staten Island. I, I listened to Bill Burr's weekly podcast and his big announcements or one of his big announcements this past week is now you can buy the king of Staten Island for $20. And it's like, well, I, I, I paid $20 to watch it. I'm not going to pay another $20 to own it. But at what point, what point do they, they start going down that route or, or do they really think that there's so much money still left in that bag? Well, I mean, anytime you see 200 million flop down on a movie for production alone, and, and again, when people see a $200 million budget, that is for the production of the film, the pre-pro and the production. It is not for distribution, advertising, etc. It is creating a piece of media that can be then taken out. So really you've got to look at a film like that. Its budget's probably closer to 500 million when it, you put in distribution, advertising, etc. Right. If they're willing to throw down 500 million, that means that they know they have a very good feeling that they can make at least four times that somehow within distribution worldwide, bringing it back for home release, et cetera. Okay. I wonder post COVID how many of these films we're going to have Chris Nolan. Again, it's an event type thing. Everybody knows it's probably going to be a high quality film. Dunkirk. I don't think made quite as much money as some of his others. And I doubt its budget was as big as this, but they know they, they, that is 100% math. They say, if I give you this, 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 this is the kind of return we got on that. We'll push this one bigger. We'll do this and this. They know, they know what it's going to make. And you even go back to I, what I still probably think of as my top three favorite uh, Chris Nolan films, Memento. That was an incredibly small budget right. and just killed it. And I would actually like to see Chris Nolan go back to that smaller type film and yeah. get away from these big extravagant, you know, spin the top kind of things. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I just, I just think, I think you said it right. Cause I'm feeling the same thing. I was excited to see it, but that was kind of a different situation was going on. And especially after kind of the, I mean, again, the King of Staten Island wasn't a bad movie, but I'm not liking this, this new, and I hope I hope the service that you're paying for. I hope they gave you a little break there when uh, things kind of went south. Are they, are they still charging in? No, they they AMC has handled this as best they could, and right away, hey, we're suspending your payment. And it even says in the the email that came out recently that we're I forget when it's going to start up. I'm going to start it up. I don't care. Just start me up. I'm going to use it again. Right. But it said you have. We will not. I think if you if you canceled earlier, you had to pay for the entire year. We will not charge you that entirety should you decide to cancel in light of COVID. So they're they're being pretty cool about it. Good. All right. Speaking of uh, speaking of websites and weird stuff, um, I'm on a website now called Newsbreak.com. Also heard about this story earlier this week. Not the kind listener would like it. So Maine. I think I see what's going on here. I'm telling you right now, 
more and more websites are just getting weird. You click on a you click on a headline, you go there, there's like three or four sentences, then there's an ad, and then there's a little box that says read full story. And my old brain can't wrap around that. All right. So anyway, we're in Maine, which is considered a 420 friendly site. Uh, we've transitioned from newsstory.com to wjbq.com, which is hit music 97.9. So here's the deal. While pot is friendly in Maine, pot delivery is not. So a couple of uh, uh, interesting entrepreneurs came up with the uh, following service. If you don't know where your pot is, you can hire this group of psychics who will come and consultate and tell you where your lost pot is and then give it to you for a fee. Can, can I get a discount if I put my breakup service in together with them? <laughs> exactly. What the, why are people paying for this crap? Because uh, it's legally a workaround from having pot delivered. I can't call you, Todd, and say, Todd, I would like X amount of pot delivered to my house because that's illegal. But if I call you and I say, Todd, I've lost my pot. I don't know where it's at. Can you come over and help me find it? <laughs> and because you're a psychic, you know where the pot is. Then I, at the end, I just pay you for your services and I get my lost weed. Okay, I have one of two ways to completely fix the need for this. Number one, just legalize pot everywhere. Everybody wants it. Quit acting like they don't. Let If you want it, buy it, tax it, make money on it for the, right. for the state and the country. Other way, do what I'm doing. Send your kid to Colorado, and when she comes home, she just <laughs> brings it with her. Abby, I'm just kidding. I just I love I love the process uh, noted here in the article. Um, the process is simple. If you're over the age of 21 with ID, you visit the website, pick the product you lost, along with your address, and the cycle will consult with the weed spirits and deliver your lost weed to you for a fee. Folks, that's just further proof that where there's a will, there's a way. And it seems like these cats have figured out a way to... Uh, 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 Matt? What, what was Ooh. that? Oh, I think that was the pot psychic. <laughs> that was, I, you know, I realized what it was. I thought I'd muted that tab and I went to Twitch to look up something I was curious about with there. And all of a sudden somebody's <laughs> stream came up. Oh, I was like, oh crap. Sorry about that, everyone. No, no, that was good. It was perfectly timed. Again, I thought it was, I thought it was the pot psychic. So there you go. Um, if you live in Maine and you uh, have lost your pot, you can contact those cats and uh, just do a Google search for them or go to ask. And hopefully they'll pull it up for you. Um, before we get into uh, what our kind of our, our main focus this week is, which is the, the latest uh, HBO Max uh, weekly show, um, I do want to mention I watched a little bit. I don't know if Todd has seen uh, the preview on Netflix for it. Um, but it's Netflix latest one that is plastered all over um the homepage when you go there and of course i can't remember the exact name so give me one second and i will get there it's called project power now are you 
Are you familiar with this at all, Todd? I'm going to look it up right now. Um, so here's the premise. There's a new drug uh, that has hit the town. And um, this is shot uh, in New Orleans. And the premise is this. You take the pill. Everybody gets different. But for five minutes, you can gain superpowers. Hmm. Um, it does have, <clears throat> it's directed by, uh, Henry Jost. Uh, it stars Jimmy Fox, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Dominic, F uh, Fishback, and a few other, um, well-known actors, I guess you could say. Jamie, Jamie Fox being the main one. And while to me, I thought it was an interesting premise, it sure feels a lot like Old Guard where you have kind of an interesting storyline, but then everything kind of goes awry from there. And I'm watching it so that you don't have to. <laughs> well, thank you for that. It's two and a half. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, I, I, was, I was, as you said, old guard. It also, you take the pill, and I thought we were going to go down the Matrix path. I thought, oh. oh, you take the pill. And so it has a little bit of that, too. You take this and either you go, you know, it's, you're not picking one or the other, but. Uh, okay uh, you know sure and some people who take the pill just explode so there's a risk reward factor there that would be me i would be the one to explode yeah me too um i'm trying to look up right now i'm, I'm looking up um henry jost i think j-o-o-s-d um i was doing the same thing i thought i know that name so he directed the last couple of paranormal activity films which Okay, you want to talk again about films, little bitty films. You Obviously, the first one, very super cheap and makes a lot of money, and then they create a franchise out of it, and they continue to make money because they, you can make them so efficiently. Yeah. The last few were actually okay. The last one was a mess, but, you know, it's pretty good. So he's not a crappy director by any stretch of the imagination. Doesn't have Most of it is a lot of shorts. Yeah, documentary shorts, et cetera. So he doesn't have a ton of experience, but... I mean, it does feel like that evolution. He's a Sundance person, so. And it it definitely feels, <clears throat> with the exception of what we're getting ready to talk about, I mean, do you think, now, obviously, I mean, you know the timelines and finances better than I do and how these movies get produced and, and made. Obviously, these movies were, pro they were shot before yeah. COVID, but are they just not getting the, the love and or the the critical eye and or feedback before they get done i mean or, 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 or you know are, are you that because it's a bad movie it's not great okay. <clears throat> and it kind of like old guard just feels like some things were kind of like overlooked and you know rushed now that could be me you know projecting that and and they could have you know had no problem it just it just seems interesting to me that uh, it just seems to it just seems to be something that is being repeated. I I don't know that I think that it's anything to do with its post production being during the COVID era. I think what we're seeing is films that would n usually be relegated to nah. at video because the studio looks and goes, okay, well, that's not our best effort. Let's put that out. Let's make some quick money. And here's the weird thing. They can, they can take a film like this. Now I know it's a Netflix film and I don't know if Netflix originally produced that. I would think with Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, they probably were the original backers behind it. Mm. Uh, 
but other films that we're kind of seeing a mishmash of this, I think, you know, they can look at those direct to video markets and a lot of people think, ah, oh, it's just garbage. Well, I hate to tell you, usually they make a crap load of money on that. Right. You start looking financials of films they can make more money on a small film released efficiently because they're not making prints of it they're not sending it out they're not advertising it it's just it's media and now it's one of the things that you know you and i've talked about is what are we going to talk about in pop culture when we don't get significant <laughs> films like tenant released and we get films like this that's actually my follow-up question another question is completely unfair to ask you um but what the hey when when do you when do you think we will see the biggest effect of COVID-19 on films. I don't want to say pop culture is, is all is all get out, but just like, do you think there will be a hangover? Like, let's say the, the vaccine comes out, you know, in January, February, you know, are we going to see a true lull or are we going to see, I mean, will we, will, will, will there actually be any notice? Because nothing's being shot right now. I know there's a couple movies that have been cleared in, in other countries. So are we going to see a little bit of a, a delay on, okay, we all have vaccines, we can get out, now there's nothing new to watch? I think that that's a great question. I think I think you're going to see a continuation of what we've got with Mulan being, you know, a former theatrical release that's now going to be pushed to Disney+. Plus. I already paid for Disney+, Plus, but now I have to pay a $30 premium on top of it. And to your point about... What? staten island you didn't hear that no yeah so they're gonna they're gonna put the live action mulan out on disney plus you already pay for that subscription but then you have to pay 30 dollars to see mulan on top of it now what's different from king of staten island i believe you get to keep it oh okay all right all right or you get some special viewing privilege. I, there's some, I, I'm so not interested in Mulan. I've never seen the animated one and abby's <laughs> always like okay you need to see it. it's a really good movie okay right. fine i'll see it but I don't want to spend 30 bucks on this, but I think you're going to see a flood of that type of thing because eventually what will happen, the longer that this repressed system exists within Hollywood, you're already seeing the the movie theaters, you know, having, I don't know if you've seen this or if you guys have it up there, but we're seeing the movie theaters make it available where you can rent a theater. Yes. Choose from a flood of classic films, and you can have. I think it, it was in a 500 seat theater, you could have up to 80 people in it or something like that. And it, you know what? For the price of it, if everybody chips in, you know, five bucks, it's not bad. No. And it's a great, it's a great idea by the movie theaters to keep their system going so they can make some money. But the reason I'm, I say that, the more that this occurs, the more it hurts not just the movie theaters, but the actual film distribution uh, system itself. So you're going to see more of these films where Disney's going to look at the math and say, okay, we need where if the people that want to see this, that don't have Disney plus will have to pay for Disney plus, then they'll have to pay the 30 bucks. Those that already have it. will have to pay us 30 bucks. So now they can look at that. So I think you're going to see more and more of that. But when it comes to the COVID, the vaccine comes, you know, I, being a fan of Batman, I know the Batman directed by Matt Reeves is about to get the green light to finish its last few weeks of shooting. I know that Dune by Denis Villeneuve has concluded its shooting and is in post-production. So a lot of these films, while those are both very special effects driven, going to have a lot of post-production that goes into them. Those big tentpole films will be there and will be available. And if anything, I could see them moving their release dates forward because you know they right now they've pushed everything back. 
I think I could see them moving it forward. And I think what we will see that is a true development of COVID is you're going to see more small films that can be quickly shot, put together and put out. Yeah. I, I mean, for the independent person, I, I don't see how this is not just a flood of the market of independent type films. Because if Jeff and I write a script and if, if somebody gives us the money, we, we have the money. Let's not even talk about what's the hardest thing in independent film. We, we write a script. We're ready to go. We've cast it. We've got the money. Shooting that thing, if you can shoot it in a month and a half, because it, it, most any films shoot pretty quickly, you can post it. You can have that ready under a year if you have all the things behind you. And if the film companies start putting money behind that. Yeah that out so i think that's really where it's going in my opinion that's where we're going to see the biggest flood of media and, and just so the kind listener knows that wasn't anything we discussed in our pre pre-production meeting that was something that kind of came out of left field so thank you for feeling that because that is uh, as you kindly said a good question but it, it's a difficult one i also think well if anything we'll see um dune on a couple more screens than we normally would because I mean, how much? I mean, I can tell you. I mean, I miss going to the movies. I miss going to, you know, getting my getting my terrible form of nachos and a drink and sitting down. You and your nachos. But uh, yeah, me and my nachos. But also, just you know, just looking down the playlist of all the films, going, no, nope, not really interested. Ooh, that looks good or whatever. You know how we remember the days when we were complaining about, man, there's too many previews. I would love to watch the previews now. <laughs> How long will that last? Right. Oh, one or two showings and like, good God almighty, this hour of previews. Well, I'm uh, look, I think, I don't know if you've read about the, the word on Dune since we brought it up and I know we're off the, the map here. The word on Dune. So Denny Villanueva, who directed The Last Blade Runner, uh, did Amy Adams' Arrival. Mm. Uh, Sicario he is a very good filmmaker. And the word, not just from the studio, but from industry people inside is, look, this might be where what Lord of the Rings did for fantasy filmmaking. They're Ooh. thinking this might do for sci-fi. They said it is so good. And there has been talk that it's going to be uh, evolved into a multimedia type thing where you'll get uh, television and things made out of it as well. Ooh may transform things and it's got a great cast i love that story so i if there's one film that i'm like okay get me out of covid because i gotta go see that in the right. theater and, and real quick let's let's obviously dune is a novel by frank herbert huh? came out in 1965 i'm reading that off a web page kind listeners so don't get excited i'm not that smart um and then they shot the movie that sting in it and some other stuff and i just remember i never saw it which I should go see it or I should sit down and watch it. But I remember that it was so, they were so concerned that the, the, that the viewers wouldn't be able to follow that. When you went to the movie theater, there was a book, a pamphlet they handed yeah. you. Is it worth going back and seeing? Should I, should I check it out? So uh, let me step back and say, sure. I already liked Dune. Uh, my dad gave me that book and I did my best for years, I'd read like 100 pages and stop. Go back in 150. <laughs> and I finally made it through it. And I loved that story. And I feel like I know it pretty well. Um, David Lynch, obviously one of the great filmmakers of probably the last, uh, let's say, 40 plus years. One of the weirdest filmmakers of the last 40 plus years. Uh, I, I think that David Lynch's indulgences get in the way of that film. Hmm. Now, he also made that with uh, Dino De Laurentiis, who 
while he had his hand in countless films, was also known to shortchange things from time to time. And from what I understand, they they slashed away at Lynch's original script. Uh They made push it through. It's an okay version of that story. And if you've never seen it, it's fine. But just know this. It is a David Lynch film, period. And there is going to be some weird shit <laughs> every once in a while you're like what i recently bought it again i thought i'm gonna watch it and i made it halfway through and i thought god i really like david lynch but sometimes he is so damn weird he did the same thing with the continuance of um oh what was the television story laura what's her face that died twin peaks he did a continuation of twin peaks uh pop was a huge fan i ended up getting him you know those for on dvd for christmas one year after it came out and he's like, did you watch it? And it's it's like David Litch on overload. There are scenes of static and nothing happening for minutes at a time, and you have no idea what's going on. So, um, well, good. I'm, 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 you know, that'll be something we can talk about some other time. Maybe maybe I should think, maybe read it or, or watch it. But Dune is something I've always wanted to get into, but I just, there was always this cloud of it not being very good that... Uh, that has kind of caused pause, but I'm excited that you're excited about it because I, I, I need some good sci-fi. Um, it's a great story, Jeff. And I, I would, I would almost ask you, don't watch Lynch's Dune mm. before you see this. Oh, wait until afterwards, because then you at least, I mean, it's not a hard story to follow a kid that is born of a concubine and a, and a Royal man. And there are these witches that kind of know about the coming Messiah. Oh. They've, manipulated bloodline and he comes along and that's timothy chalamet is going to play that character so great actor and then the war that happens upon a place where they harvest spice which is a drug that's the story in a nutshell you get a little confused by some of the weirdness of lynch so see Mm. denny villanois first i'm going to ask this and because we've talked about how do we recommend to the kind listener what to watch there's a fantastic documentary and I'm going to mispronounce this. Uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky, Jodorowsky was an artist who, who started the development of a film version of Dune. And the documentary over this man's work, oh my God, that gets me. I watched that numerous times. That is a fantastic documentary. Um, I'm going to actually, I think it's just Jodorowsky's Dune is the name of the yeah that is um so watch cool. that all right I'll say, but those are the kind of things but yeah this is going to be a great film to, to go see when it comes out well let's make the shift from sci-fi to horror and you know how i feel about horror films um however uh kudos i'm i'm, I'm giving away the the headline a little bit but kudos to hbo max uh i'll i'll turn it over to you for the tale of the tape but there's a new show uh, being released on a weekly basis uh, on HBO Max called Lovecraft Country. And I know a little bit about this. I don't want to steal Todd's thunder as far as the tale of the tape, but that's kind of why we're here today. We're here to tell you about this new series on HBO Max. Todd, tell us about this show. Lovecraft, take two. Lovecraft <laughs> Country, if I'll just slow down. <laughs> It's a simple logline here. A young African-American travels across the U.S. in the 1950s in search of his missing father. Uh, what got me excited right away is the, the inclusion of two executive producer names 
first being J.J. Abrams, because we can all make quibbles about his directing efforts, but usually his name is associated with quality product, but it's Jordan Peele's name that makes me think, okay, I need to watch it. I, I, Jordan Peele is one of those people that is interesting to me almost no matter what he puts his, his little fingers into and mm-hmm. gets in there that I want to watch it. Um, this, let's see, how do I, how do, how do I best tell you this? And I, I'm, I'm going to speak to Jeff in this way because Jeff hates horror, as he's already said. <laughs> Mainly because they scare me. <laughs> well, I, but the best horror does what this does so well. It is not about the horror. No. It's about the horror within the world in which they live that's just natural and normal. The horror element becomes something else. There are so many great horror things. I recently watched The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix with my kid again, and it does this so well, too, where it takes a family and its issues as the real horror, but then they put ghosts on top of it. Right. This, pacing-wise, acting-wise, my God, the casting of it is just... Every time somebody was on, it's like, oh, I want to watch that person. And when you can make me... Oh, I love this actor. Wait, ooh, he's great. She's great. You know, and, and as a matter of fact, the she's great was also in that uh, Harley Quinn film. And she was the one thing out of that film. I went, wow, she's great. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. But this is a, I, I hate to be like Jeff. This is a beautifully executed first step into a horror show. It gives me just enough of the characters and the strife that they're going through, the heartache, and then all of a sudden at the end says, oh, by the way, I need to scare the pee out of you. So how well did you handle the, the pee scaring at the end? I, you know, the, I, I thought I hadn't put, put some depends on. So I was, I was protected. Um, you know, I, I made the mistake. I didn't read any articles, but I think I was talking to you last week and, and I read some initial reporting on this Lovecraft country um, that, that it was not getting good, good reviews. Um, I heard a lot of concern, uh, both from from friends and and again headlines that Jordan Peele's working himself into a corner, doing the horror genre. There were whispers of him turning into a little bit of a midnight Shyamalan with with just some degradation in his projects, quality, and everything. Um, but I actually think without his first two films this wouldn't be as good as it is. And I, I went in with an open mind. I thought a couple times during the first episode about what I always say, tell me a story. And this tells me a story. And, and like you said, includes some, some horror with it. Um, I'm very excited to see because, uh, at the end of the first episode, they give you kind of a preview into that, uh, what's going to happen to the rest of the season. I'm really kind of excited to see because it gets pretty fantastic with some of the images that you see. There's some, you know, some pretty, uh, well, horrific and then also looks like wizardry and monsters and creatures and stuff that that uh, I like. Currently on on IMDb, it's running a 8.0 with 3,000 reviews and the first episode is at 8.6. That's pretty high for on IMDb. And I, I, I agree with it 100%. I'm, I'm really interested. I was glad to enjoy it. I was glad that I didn't read any of the articles. And I'm, I'm excited that we're talking about it now because I think uh, a couple of things for me that works really well. And I, I don't know um, who Jonathan Majors is. No. Is that this character name? I'm looking that up, Jeff. Is this uh, Jonathan Majors is the actor. Actor's name, yeah. Atticus Freeman is his character's name. Because <laughs> right, otherwise, Uncle George Freeman, that's that's not really a very... 
no no <laughs> what's your name uncle george freeman um jonathan majors i don't i'm not familiar with and and i don't think i've seen anything but he is fantastic yes. uh journey smollett uh who is we, we think you were talking about and harley quinn uh, is fantastic. Vi- she, she's one of those people that the, when when she comes on screen and her screen in her initial moment with her sister on stage, that the actress cast or the sister is singing and she's already very you know got this personality is exploding and suddenly this young lady walks on and it's like I I can't it, that's where the fight begins I can't decide who to look at these people are amazing. Right. She was uh, I hated that Harley Quinn film. Yeah, I thought it was so boring. But she was the one that every time I was on screen, I was like, oh, gosh, she's great. So you, please go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's basically it. I just kept thinking about how well it was casted, how well, well it was put together. Do as, as the uncle. Yes, yeah. And, of course, he has a long list of things. But your your young man that's, that's the star of the show has only got credentials through 2011. So he's new on the scene. Which I think, I, I, know, that, I know that Jordan Peele has had some well-known actors in his projects but i know um or i would i would i would venture to guess that he likes working with new talent uh, and giving you know some people the spotlight uh so the storytelling the pacing i thought was really really well done i never felt uh i never had a i know i'm picking on a game of thrones moment or or some of the other shows that i've watched where i'm just kind of at the moment i'm kind of trying to figure out where this is leading to um and then uh just shot wise, two or three times, uh, I hearkened it to when El Camino came out and they had some just wonderful scenes that were just shot and you just kind of like, wow, um, yeah. very well done as, as well. And for those of you that don't know, the the, the term Lovecraft Country uh, comes from the writer H.P. Lovecraft, who was born in 1890, died in 1937, so only 46 years old when he died, and was never able to sustain himself from his writing career when he was alive. However, Lovecraftian horror is now a term that is used widespread because of what he created. And this idea of the minutia of just everyday life interspersed with horror that is especially the the things that come out to be spooky at the end yes. and how it's almost feeding upon itself is very lovecraftian and and how i'm sorry my dogs are going insane <laughs> um but what i loved was that we can all get into oh with all the stuff going on right now do we have to have another thing about race relations but it doesn't become really about that it these main characters are well-read characters or smart characters and it isn't about hey let's put it in the they're struggling against social economic things which they are they're all so smart they're all so well-spoken within their environment and to put it in that this young man and the uncle's daughter both are in love with storytelling and things like that is God, it's, it was so dense. And I, I ended up watching it late last night. And I thought, okay, going to watch it. I have not watched the preview. And as soon as I get done with Jeff and I go make myself breakfast, I'm going to watch it again. It's, <laughs> it's one of those like, okay, I need to see that again. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think what else, what else I can add to this. Um, I thought the opening scene was really good. Where it morphs from black and white into color, I thought that was was really well done. Um, 
I'm, I'm interested. So for those people that, that you know, maybe have uh, that uh, whatever it is, I think it's nine ninety nine or whatever it is for HBO uh, Max. Um, you know, the good news is you'll have to wait for this to come out on a weekly basis, but then you can also alternate with um, Perry Mason and other good content that they've got. Oh, and, and let me tell you, if if that if your struggle is should I pay nine ninety nine for HBO Max, I am here to tell you I think it's next to Netflix the best service out there. Yeah. Because also, if you want to talk about they they are connected with Turner Classic Movies, a wealth of old films, foreign films. Uh, oh my God, that thing has got a ton of stuff. So if you're going to pay nine ninety nine, or if you have Direct TV, I believe you get it free for a year. Oh, go sign up. Watch this show. Enjoy Perry Mason. Yes, uh, I'll be gone in the dark. Is a great recent oh. crimes on there. My God, you just you're not going to stop having things to watch. It is a great service to have. So there you have it. Our take on Lovecraft Country. And yes, you have to slow down when you say that because that is easily tripped upon on H- <laughs> on HBO Max. Uh, Todd and I both give it a uh, thumbs up or a two ice cream cone at a three ice cream cone. However you want to put it. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out, worth uh, opening up your pop culture uh, pocketbook and uh, adding it in there for uh, viewership. Um, that's all I've got. Todd, do you have any final words before we wrap this up? No, I, you know, it's, it's funny. It was, we struggle for things in pop culture to talk about what well, today was a good good show as far as you know let's have a conversation and talk about where this industry is going etc so no i i think i got every thought out of my head and i feel so complete now <laughs> right and 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 the the difference in the show uh today was brought to you by some of our uh wonderful uh other kind of radio um community we got some feedback, by the way. I'd be remiss, and Todd and I once again want to send a big thank you out to Serata. I finally broke down and listened to the uh, episode. I was a little concerned about listening to it because I was a little geeked out uh, to have her on. But uh, we're, you know, we got feedback that everybody really liked that episode because it was more just conversational and not so so overproduced and so uh i've decided that we'll do a few changes here and see how it works out do want to remind everybody that uh you can email us your feedback at info at the other kind radio.com we'd love that um feel free to look us up on twitter uh, i've been trying to tweet out a few things here and there a little bit more and as always and i haven't checked it in a couple days we do have our phone line 214-843-1149 214-843-1149 if you have uh if you want to leave us a voicemail you want to call up and do your best uh, we did get a few new calls but no one oh we do have a new voicemail uh-oh uh, oh do we just it's do one of those robo porn lines that's what it is it's two seconds long let <laughs> <laughs> me just go yeah it was just f you and the it drops the line anyway 214-843-1149 if you want to uh leave us a voicemail we'll be back next week with uh, other pop culture popcorn to uh to pop in your mouth and uh with that everybody have a good week and we'll see you next time on the other kind radio uh, see i'm just never gonna get this right am i there we go we are the other kind radio have a good week 